Second Corinthians chapter eight, please. Second Corinthians chapter eight. And while you're turning there, one announcement I forgot to mention to you this morning is um, a member of our church, uh, Greg Ward, uh, who's not here this morning. He's traveling out of town for Christmas, but he made uh, these uh, wooden crosses. These are handmade. They put together, they got a little, little string on them that could be used as, a, as an ornament. But he made one for everybody in the church. And, uh, no, he doesn't want anything for him. He said, it's a gift. I want, I, want to, I want to do this and I want to do it for the church. And so we, these will be available. They're actually available in the foyer. Uh, so when you leave, please take one. There's enough for each family to have several. Um, and so I, I at least please take one, if not two, of these for your family. You can write on them, maybe put the year or whatever the case may be. But I just thought that was uh, really special. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, some of the wood that he used for this, I know he's done it with some of the things he's made recently, have been from the gymnasium floor of Athens Christian School. Uh, that was there for many years, but they had a flood of some sort and a water damage. And uh, they ended up giving a lot of the wood to Greg to just reuse. And uh, But these are really nice. And so please uh, take one of those and be sure to thank the wards, uh, Brother Greg, especially when you see him. And I know uh, that would be an encouragement. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. So thankful again just to be able to celebrate our Savior's birth uh, together. And... Um, we just rejoice in the truth of it, as Brother Mike was encouraging us and reminding us to do, uh, especially in these coming days. But notice with me in Second Corinthians chapter eight, I'm going to read uh, one verse, verse number nine. <clears throat> the Bible says, for, ye know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. That ye, through his poverty, might be rich. What an awesome truth as we think about the coming of our Savior. He came, he came in poverty so that we could be made rich. Would you pray with me? Lord God of heaven and earth. We bow before you, Lord, first of all, adoring you for who you are. You are the good and gracious God. You are the one who has full reign over this universe. Oh, God of heaven, we realize that you have a great plan for the universe, for this world, for every human being. And Lord, I'm thankful to know without a doubt that your perfect plan for every human being is for them to turn to your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we understand that, God, you have given every one of us a free will. And so we pray that, Lord, those that may be here today that have yet to trust Christ as their Savior, exercising their free will, we pray that you would help them to make that decision today. And then, Lord, I pray for those that are your children that have come to know Christ as Savior here this morning. I'm praying Lord, that they would be strengthened in their faith. I pray that they would fall more in love with you as they think upon who you are and what you did for us by coming to this earth. 
And so, Lord, give us a spirit of revival here. Lord, I don't have any power to convince these dear people before me of any of your truths. I just do, do not have that capability. But God, you do. So speak through me, Lord, thy servant, and change our hearts today for your glory. I pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. The title of this morning's message is this, How to Get Rich Quick. How to Get Rich Quick. You know, I googled the phrase, How to Become Rich Overnight. And I had 75,100,000 results. How to Get Rich Overnight. And do you know the ones that I saw? Now, I didn't go through all 75 million, okay? But I did go through the first few pages anyway of what the results were. And you know, not one of them said a word about Jesus Christ. But folks, the truth of the matter is this morning, the only way somebody can be truly rich is to know Jesus Christ. And this morning, with God's help, I want to look at how Jesus has the power to make every single person rich. And, of course, we know that richness goes much deeper and much broader than monetarily speaking. We know that Jesus has made us rich eternally by His precious holy blood But how did that take place? Well, I want to submit to you that I believe Christmas itself is a testimony that no man can be rich apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it, church. The richest one of all became the poorest one of all. To save those sinners like you and me so that we could be eternally saved. That's an amazing thought, the fact that God himself would come to this earth and become poor. So just how poor was Jesus Christ? You know, I I admit to you this morning, I don't think we'll ever really know on this side of eternity how poor the Savior became for us. The Word of God does give us some hints Some idea and some truths for us to try to grasp in our finite minds. But the truth of the matter is, how poor God became, we will never know on this side. It's a mystery. It'll be something for us to ponder for eternity. That God became poor. You know, as I want to just take a glimpse quickly on some of the poverty we see in Christ. And, and, you know, I could have entitled this message, you know, the poverty of Christ that made Christmas possible. Because He did indeed become poor. And I want to look at that quickly. If you're taking notes, would you look with me at, first of all, the poverty of His parents? The poverty of His parents. They were very poor. 
Uh, we know in Luke chapter 2, verse 22 and 23, that uh, when after the days of purification and, and they were to go and uh, present themselves to the priest, uh, they, it was required Levitical law for them to take forth an offering. And in normal circumstances, those that could afford it would take a lamb and and put forth that lamb as a sacrifice. But in this case, and, and, it, and the law did make an exception that when you couldn't afford a lamb, you gave forth two turtle doves or two pigeons, if you will. And and that was a indication of the, if you will, economic status uh, financial status, I should say, of Joseph and Mary. They were a poor family. Jesus was born of poor parents and they couldn't even afford the lamb that was required there. And they had to take the uh, the alternative. But what is so unique about that very truth is that though they didn't have a lamb to offer, they did. It was Jesus himself who was the lamb of God. Who would die for the sins of the world. I think of Joseph who was a, who was a village carpenter. He was a man that, uh, was, that, that had a lowly position in the village of, of carpentry. And, and uh, not only that, but it was the particular village that he even lived in. The, this little town of Nazareth. Nazareth bore a name even in Galilee. Uh, that did not have a good testimony. That's why Nathaniel would say at one point when the testimony came that Jesus was from Nazareth and he made that question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? They had a, they had a testimony of, of, uh, of, of simply being, uh, somewhat of a pagan population, a rude dialect, and, uh, were, were despised by the people of Judea. Fawcett's Bible Dictionary states. But then not only Joseph, you had Mary. Mary, she belonged to the peasant class, uh, which uh, made its uh, way of living through agriculture and small commercial ventures like carpentry. Uh, and, and, and which uh, we see the profession of both Joseph and the Lord Jesus. So they were both of a lower class, if you will. In the, in the social aspect of things, it was the poverty of his parents we see. We see also the poverty of his birth. Remember where Jesus was born? O little town of Bethlehem? What is significant about that? Well, the, the town of Bethlehem was very tiny. In fact, that was a fulfilled prophecy, which I think is very interesting. You know, when we talk about the proof of of the word of God and, and the evidence of the word of God, we see fulfilled prophecy, which even Micah, the prophet, would state very clearly. But thou in, in Micah five, two, he says, but thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me. That is to be a ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting you see, he was born in the little town of Bethlehem. Now, I think it's interesting also to note what Bethlehem means. Bethlehem means house of bread. Isn't that fitting that in, in the, the city that which means the house of bread would be born the bread of life? Praise God that he that eateth of me sh shall never hunger. But it's that everlasting uh, life that God gives. And we see this little town where King David was also born. But at that time, it was different. 
And through the years, it would decrease into just a small village, which uh, we, we know that even one of the prophets would prophesy of that truth. But nevertheless, it was just a little small, really off the charts uh, town and uh, just about five miles outside of Jerusalem. But even in Isaiah 53, too, we see a glimpse of this of this this little town called Bethlehem. It says in Isaiah 53, two, which is a prophecy of the Messiah, it says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. Notice what it says here. He hath no form nor comeliness, no honor, no royalty that has been found on him. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, he did not come into this world in the sense of being honored as royalty. He did not have a big entry in that sense. He was born in a place of poverty, of parents of poverty. And not only the city that we see of Bethlehem, but then we also think of the the uh, the manger and the stable where he was born. You know, some believe that say, and I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with it. I think it's a, a real possibility that it was actually a cave that Jesus was born in. If you go over there, I've never been to Israel, but from what I understand that uh, in those in, the, in that region, uh, it was common for there to be caves even near the ends where people would stay and, and the caves is where they would keep their livestock. And so uh, in that case, if that were the case, whether it was a cave or just a stable, nevertheless, it was not typically for humans to stay. It was for the animals. It was for the sheep. It was for the camels. It was for the, the, just the, the animals in that way, in that context. But that is where Jesus would be born. The poverty of his birth. You know, I don't know what the reason was that they had to go to the stable. Besides, there was no room in the end. But, but the, nevertheless, we see that perhaps the room that they could have afforded was full. So because the Bible says there was no room for them in the end. But were there more ends? Or was that just the particular one? And I don't know this for sure, but the only one that they could afford. I mean, you think about it. You and I, when we go traveling, uh, if you're like me, uh, I'm doing some price checks on the hotels around. Uh, you know, whether that be a Super 8 or a Comfort Inn or a Red Roof Inn. Uh, I don't recommend the Bulldog Inn. I've never been there, but the way it looks. But nevertheless, there are places where different values that we can afford. Well, these were a very this was a very poor family. And so they come into Bethlehem and looking for a place in the end they went to. It was full. It doesn't go any further than that. But the next best place was the cave or the stable that would be adjacent to the inn. His bed was the lowly place of a feeding trough for the livestock. That's where our Savior's bed would be. His first bed. And those places were not known for being clean. They were known for being filthy. That's the lowly place of poverty that our Savior took in His first days on this earth. We think of the poverty of His first visitors. Think about that. The common shepherd out there. These shepherd boys were not known for their affluency. Uh, they were not known for their wealth. They were shepherd boys. They were tending the flock. 
And uh, for perhaps somebody that did have a lot of money, but they them, they themselves uh, took the lowly position of shepherding. But God chose these these uh, shepherds to be the first ones to come and and worship and then return and spread the news throughout the town. How uh, neat is that? But but God would choose these ones. He didn't choose any other but the shepherds to go herald the good news that the Lord of glory is born. We see not only the, the poverty of his first visitors, but we see also the poverty of his life on earth. He would be born and then it would he would testify himself in Luke nine fifty eight as he would go out living his life, especially in his ministry. We know that he was they went back to Nazareth and we know that that's where he would work as a carpenter. He would work in his daddy's carpenter shop and eventually would do that himself. And, and he grew up uh, in, in a life that that would have been uh, really labeled in poverty And then not only that, but when he started his earthly ministry, then he became homeless. And I think about the fact I even go into Athens, I could go out there this morning. And as I approach the loop and and uh, there at Highway 10 and and other places, and I go on even down into Athens, I see homeless people and and they and they they don't they don't have anywhere to go. And I and I think in my mind, wow, that was like my savior. The Lord Jesus said in Luke 9:58, he said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. Think about that. The Savior having no home. We know that even in, in the ways that he was showing forth his deity and his miraculous power showed forth that he was he was not one of, of lots of money. I mean, in fact, think about the little lad, the little boy's lunch. He had to borrow a little boy's lunch to feed everybody. He didn't have food of his own. He took the boy's lunch and he multiplied it, showing forth his deity and fed the multitudes. That was his awesome power. I, I think of the fact that he had to borrow Peter's boat <laughs> when the crowds got too much and he needed to back off. He didn't have his own boat. He borrowed Peter's. I, I think of uh, other situations where he had to borrow a donkey for his triumphant entry. He borrowed a donkey. He borrowed an upper room. He didn't have, own anything on this earth. And I'm talking about the Creator. He became poor church. He was in poverty for me and for you. But not only that, he we see those things which are very telling and very moving and upon our hearts to, to, to sober us and to think about what God did. But this one here tops them all, in my opinion, in my thought of it. But I think about the poverty of his mission, the poverty of his mission. You know, you can tell his poverty by what he left. He left all. He had all. This is indeed, as one commentator would say, the supreme example of renunciation. It's when the Lord Jesus, who had all the glory in heaven and all the host of angels and the armies of angels worshiping him and serving him 
and the glory that he shared even with the father, as he said in John 17, five, when he was looking forward to being back with the father and he made reference to Lord Father, the glory we shared before. He left the glory that he shared with the father. And he became poor. His mission was a mission where he lowered himself. As we read in Philippians chapter 2. Would you go over there with me quickly? Just flip over a few books there. 2 Corinthians. Galatians. Ephesians. And notice Philippians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. Oh, I'm sorry. Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Thank you, Brother Ralph. Philippians chapter 2, we see the Word of God says here in verse number 6. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Who being in the form of God, that's talking about Jesus, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But what did he do? But he made himself of no reputation. He didn't think he was being robbed of anything in the sense of losing out. But he says here, and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So he came and became poor because of what he knew had to happen. He knew he was God, but he knew he had to become man as well. And he was made in the likeness of men. I tell you what, that's getting pretty poor. When I know what we as humans are capable of doing and what we do a lot, the wickedness that prevails on this earth, I want to tell you, it was there on earth when Jesus came. Jesus came and was surrounded by sinners. He, he lived with his mom and dad who were sinners. His brothers were sinners. His neighbors, all those around him, and, and, uh, and, and, and he was surrounded by it continually. He came down and become man, he became man. He was God, but he came man. I can't get my mind wrapped around that this morning, but that's exactly how he became poor. Because he came one of us. He did. Our God became us. He left the glories. But not only is what he left, what he became, but not only that he became man, but this is the one, this is the climax of his mission. Folks, remember what Jesus showed in his poverty is because he became sin. Jesus became sin. Notice that I did not say he sinned because Jesus never sinned. But he became sin. He became the sacrifice for sin. Sin was laid upon him. Him who knew no sin became sin for us. He lowered himself into such a degree that he took on all the sins of the world. How poor did Jesus become? I just don't know, church, because I can't imagine and fathom here this morning. 
of what that poverty, the degree of that poverty of taking the sin of every boy and girl, every man and woman that's ever breathed on the face of this earth. He at that moment on the cross of Calvary took it on himself. He took my sin and your sin. That's very poor. That's a low spot. In fact, it's so low that that is when the father would have to turn his back on the son. He would have to turn his back on the Lord Jesus Christ who was becoming sin. Why was that? Why did, would, did Jesus cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is why. Because at that moment, Jesus was becoming sin for mankind. He was taking it all on himself and the father could not look on sin. So he turned. And the wrath of God fell upon Jesus Christ at that moment. And he did that because he wanted to become poor and become as low as any person could go for your sake and my sake. The poverty of the mission. Why did he do that? This is why. And I'm going to close with this. It's so that we could be made rich. Listen, I know that the that the uh, Mark Zuckerberg and and uh, the the the, uh, the the millionaires uh, William William Buffett and and uh, and and Bill Gates and just name them all. I don't care. They they would sort of mock at something like that as somebody like me who I know I'm not rich financially, but they would mock at saying someone like me saying I am one of the richest people in the world. And I say one because all my brothers and sisters are are equally rich. We are. God's people are the richest people on the planet. And I thank God because it's not my riches that I, it's because I'm rich. It's because it's God's riches that He became poor as the Word of God says that through His poverty we would be made rich. Hallelujah. What does it mean to be rich? Well, I like one definition. It says mean to be well supplied. Amen. We're well supplied, friend. What are we well supplied with this morning? Well, just to name a few. Number one, we're supplied with the forgiveness of sins. God has forgiven me. He came so that I could be forgiven. He shed His blood so that I could be forgiven. Ephesians 1.7 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood. What? The forgiveness of sins. It's according to what? The riches the riches of His grace. I'm rich because I have experienced the riches of God's amazing grace. And it breaks my heart, and it should break yours too, that people that thrive into this world without God, thinking they're rich, thinking they got it all, thinking they're conquering the world, when they're the poorest people on the planet, they need Christ. And I pray they will turn to Christ. And I pray that, that we would have a part in that as we pray for them. You know, sometimes uh, celebrities and Hollywood stars, musicians that are quite frankly open 
openly ungodly and anti-Christian, sometimes, believe it or not, they are some of the last people that God's people pray for. But when we see them and their, and, and, and their atrocities and the way they mock the things of God, I hope and pray that the people in this room will actually take that as a burden to pray for them. Pray that they would, not, that they would understand that they can be rich only through Jesus Christ. May the Lord help us with that. The forgiveness of sins. But not only the forgiveness of sins, but how else am I rich or well supplied? Well, I just happen to have a new home in heaven. This world is not my home. Amen. Now, Christians, we sometimes get very comfortable here in this home. But remember, we're just passing through. But God has made a home in heaven. Jesus even said it. He says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. For where I am, there ye may be also. You say, aren't you looking forward to the heavens, uh, to, the, to the mansions? Are you, aren't you looking forward to the crystal sea? Aren't you looking forward to the gold streets? Aren't you looking forward to the angels? Hey, all those things I am looking forward to. But I'm telling you what I'm looking forward to the most, Brother Billy. And that is this, seeing my Savior face to face. I'm rich because Jesus has reserved me a seat in heaven. Oh, my friends, I get excited about Christmas. You know why? Because I, God showed me 18 years ago what the true meaning of Christmas is. It's being forgiven of my sin because of what Jesus did on the cross. It's that He's, he's prepared a home for me in heaven. And thank God when He left, you know what else it means? You know how else I became rich? He gave me His Spirit. He gave me His Spirit. He gave you, if you're a believer, His Spirit. You know you have the Spirit of God living in you right now as a believer. <laughs> he's, he's in you. It's not it, it's He. He, God the Spirit, is in you right now. He has been given to you. You have God producing Himself through you. And you are sealed into the day of redemption. You, he is the earnest of the expectation. In other words, He's the down payment. And He is going to uh, truly show forth of what is to come. Oh, I'm telling you, as Paul would say, I have not, eyes have not seen, ear have not heard what God hath prepared for them. The Lord's people for eternity. The ones that have believed on Him. The Spirit of God is living in us. Hey, I'm rich because I have the Spirit of God. I tell you what, I would rather, uh, I would rather, and I hope you have the same opinion, I would rather produce the fruit of the Spirit than I would multi-millions in this world. I'd, I'd rather live in a shack. I'd rather eat just rice and beans every day. I would rather do that and have the Spirit of God living in my life than to have all the riches in the world and not have God living in me. Oh, God, thank You for living in me. Thank You for producing Yourself, the Lord Jesus, in me. How can I be rich? I'll tell you, I can be rich because i got God living in me. And I'm thankful for that. But not only that, my friends, I want to say I'm rich because of the inheritance of eternal life. Eternal life. 
This is just a speck in eternity. You think about that. The nanosecond of, 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 of this life compared to eternity. This right here is just preparation for eternity. And now I know because that Jesus became poor, he came to this earth and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross and he rose again the third day so that I could be given eternal life. Titus 3, 7 says that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Hey, I don't know how much longer I got on this, this earth. Today might be my last day. I hope the Lord will give me some more days. I'm not wishing for death. But I want to tell you, today might be my last day. It might be your last day. But I want to tell you, whatever it may be, whether it be a hundred years from now, 10,000 years from now, 10 million years from now, I want to tell you, church, I'm going to be in glory with Jesus Christ for eternity. Eternity. Oh, that's a gift, friend. I don't have to worry about hell or the lake of fire for all eternity. I don't have to worry about the wrath of God for all eternity. I don't have to worry about sin and, and sinning against my God for all eternity. I'm telling you, I've been freed. And you think about that for all eternity. Sometimes this is where we get messed up, church. A lot of times this is where we get messed up. When we become focused on the temporal. And God help us even this morning in the spirit of Christmas to realize that everything we're doing right now in our life is preparing us for eternity. Everything you're doing is going to determine how you spend eternity. Even as a believer, you will be in heaven forever, but how you live this life is how you will live in heaven. I'm telling you, friends, God wants us to prepare as His children for eternity by loving Him, serving Him in the spirit of Christmas where Jesus Christ humbled Himself and became obedient. He showed us humility. He showed us obedience. He showed us sacrifice and may God help us to understand that that's why we are so rich. It's because of what our, our Savior did. First Peter 1.4 says, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Ephesians 1.18 says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, and get this, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the saints. Listen, I may be talking to someone this morning. Please listen very closely. I may be talking to someone this morning that you've never experienced the riches of God's grace. And this morning, I would beg you with all my heart and I would urge you to please come to Christ and understand the true meaning of Christmas. Do you know, I like what Adrian Rogers said, you know you can be 100% right and still die and go to hell. That's right. H-E-L-L. Because it's not about being 100% right. 
There's some of you, and I've met some, that can be give me the plan of salvation and be 100% right and be able to give the plan of salvation. But my friend, we are not saved by the plan of salvation. We are saved by the God of salvation. And there's a vast difference being being able to know truth and actually receive truth and apply it to my life. I'm telling you here, there are people in churches that can give all the right answers. Boom. Back to back. But there's been no true born again experience in their heart and life. Where they have come to Christ and allowed the Spirit of God to save them by them putting their trust and faith in Him and beginning a relationship. My friends, when it comes right down to it, all those that come to Christ are wonderfully rich. I don't care what your social status is. I don't care where you've been. I've done things that I'm ashamed of in my life. I've done things I'm embarrassed about. But I know because of that my Jesus, my Savior Jesus Christ became poor. And because He lived a perfect life. And because He died on the cross when He shed His blood. All those shameful and embarrassing and ugly and wicked things that I did as a, as a sinner who was deserving of hell have all been purged. Have all been washed under the blood. Oh, I know that I'm rich because my sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. My friend, if you're here this morning and you've never made that decision, would you do that today? I would encourage you to do it right where you're sitting. In the quietness of your heart, I'm going to give you an opportunity here in just a moment for you to simply say and talk to the Lord. Not to me. I'm a preacher. I'm simply a messenger. I can't save anybody. I I wouldn't even try. And I'm not going to try. But I will tell you this. If you will talk to God and tell Him that you know you're a sinner and that you put your trust and faith in Him as the Messiah, as the Savior who died for you, He will save you. He promises to save you. And you may be going through life right now and you don't know what in the world's going on. You don't have any peace. You don't have any security of eternity. You don't know if all your sins are forgiven. You don't know where you're going to go when you die. I want you to know today, God can save you. You just got to be willing to come to Him with your humility and say, Lord, I believe you died for me. Then I want to say something to my, my brothers and sisters in Christ that know Him. May this truth of Jesus becoming poor for us humble us in such a way that God rids us of all our spoiled mentality. Where we go through Christmas not expecting anything, but only marveling in what God has given us and making us rich. Hey, is there anything wrong with receiving gifts? Absolutely not. Giving gifts? Absolutely not. Great thing. Glad we can do it. I'm thankful for that, but my friends, nothing replaces of what God has given us this Christmas and many more to come. Praise God, let's rejoice in what He has done for us. I believe it will transform our marriages. I believe it will transform our church. I believe it will transform who we are as we have this spirit of 
of humility. Does it mean that we need to become poor in the sense of our financial status or whatever to become more like Christ? Absolutely not. But it does say that we should become poor in spirit. The Bible talks about that. What does that mean? A spirit of humility. A spirit that you going through this earth, I don't have an entitlement mentality. You don't owe me a thing. God's given me all that I need. I'm thankful. I'm satisfied. I'm content. Lord Jesus, if you don't do anything else for me, if nobody else does anything else for me, I am blessed! Let's pray.